Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you, it'll strengthen you, and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast. But let's just jump right into it today, Luke chapter 8. Verse 1. Now it came to pass afterward that he, Jesus, went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. We know who the twelve are, right? These are the twelve disciples, twelve apostles. And, now this is important, and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene. Now this is the first time Luke is introducing her in his gospel narrative. Notice how he introduces her. Mary called Magdalene, which means Mary from Magdala. That's the city, the region she's from. Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons. Now we read over in the Bible, we say, oh yeah, Jesus cast out seven demons from her. No, no, pause. Think about it. Let's think about Mary is not just some made-up person. She is a person. Now, a lot of because of pop culture and then a sermon that a pope preached in the 8500s, people say a lot of things about Mary Magdalene that are just not biblical. You know, people say, well, she was a prostitute. The Bible never says that. They say, well, she did this. The Bible actually never says that. What the Bible does say was before she met Jesus, she was possessed, not oppressed, not obsessed, but possessed with not one, not two, not three, but seven demons. Let that sink in. What was life like for Mary to be possessed by seven demons? Let that sink in. She's a real person just like you. Because a lot of times we read through the Bible, it's like, oh yeah, you know, that happened to a person. It's a person, a real person. Not just oppressed, that's bad. Not obsessed, that's bad. Not depressed, that's bad, but possessed, controlled by seven demons until she met Jesus. And Jesus drove every single demon out. And the narrative continues. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod Stewart, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. And when a great multitude had gathered, they come to him, Jesus, from every city, spoke a parable unto them. The parable he's about to share is the one we teach out from Mark chapter 4. So let's go to Mark chapter 4. We won't teach on it today, but Mark chapter 4 verse 10 is the parable of the sower. It's a parable how the seed is the word of God. And it reveals Satan's five strategies he has. He only has five. It's affliction, persecution, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and lust of other things. He used those things to keep the word from producing in your life if you let him. And so this is what the parable, Jesus gives the parable, and he ends his message. But later on that night, verse 10 says, but when he, Jesus, was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. Notice, it says, those around him with the 12. So it wasn't just the 12. Because people are like, well, Peter asked a question, you got to answer. John asked a question, you got to answer. But no, those who were with him, with the 12, well, who were they? Mary, Joanna, Susanna, and the others. Mary, from whom he cast out seven devils, asked the question with those with her. And notice what Jesus said to Mary and those with her. To you, Mary, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So let this sink in. When Mary met Jesus, she was possessed with seven demons. She's delivered. She's healed. She's made whole. But now, she's part of this Jesus movement. But not on the fringes. She's part of the core. You know you got to be part of a core group if you're traveling with Jesus wherever he goes. And not only this, when Jesus taught a message and they didn't get it, afterwards, say, what did you mean by that? And Jesus, instead of just explaining, he pauses and says, it is given to you, Mary Magdalene. It's given to you, Joanna. It's given to you, Suzanne. It's given to you, this whole crew, to know and to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Everybody outside is going to be a parable, but to you, you get the inside information. Let this sink in. 
So now Mary is not somebody who just had an encounter with Jesus on, on the fringes. She's part of this intimate core group who gets the inside information. She's part of the community. And Jesus explains to her and those with her. But go to Mark 16. Let's look at Mary Magdalene a little bit more. Mark 16. Mark 16, verse 9. Let's look at what it says here. Now, when he, Jesus, rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him. First, let's pause before we go to the rest. Out of all the people, Jesus could have appeared to first. First, not just saying, okay, I talked to a group of people. No, first. On this planet, he could have appeared anywhere on the planet. The first person he appeared to, the first person he talked to was Mary. And so that you understand the history, Mark said, out of whom he cast out seven devils. Because just because you started one way does not mean you'll finish that way. Just because your past is traumatic doesn't mean Jesus cannot use you. He appeared to her. He talked to her. And then what it said afterwards is she went and told those who had been with them as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. So let's look at this in more detail. Go with me to John 20, verse 1. John 20, verse 1. John chapter 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went, out, went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, that's John, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. I love verse 4 because it says, So they both ran together. And the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. Can you imagine John writing on the, the inspiration of the Holy Ghost? Yes, Holy Ghost. Include that. Peter is slow and I'm faster. Let's write this in the holy text for generations to come to know for eternity. And he, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the, old, the other disciple who came to the tomb first, got to love it, went in also, and he saw and believed. So one of the first people who believed when Jesus was raised from the dead was John the Apostle. But notice that verse 9. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She supposed him to be the guard and said to her, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. Can you imagine the love that was on Jesus' voice when he said her name? Because as soon as he said her name, she said, Rabboni, Rabboni, teacher. Because she remembered the voice that set her free. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. Now, why would he have to say that? Come on, you've done the same thing, Mary Magdalene. Jesus had been gone for three days. He is alive. You would have rushed him, bum-rushed him. Even you really conservative people, oh, I don't show my emotions. You would have oh, got you. You ain't going nowhere. So he says, don't cling to me. I haven't ascended to my father yet. We know from the book of Hebrews, Jesus was going to go ascend before the father and present his blood. 
we know that's what he was going to do. He says, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to go tell my brothers that I'm ascending to my father and their father, to my God and their God. That's the message I want you to go tell them here. But notice something. Not only is she the first one he appeared to, but he's the first one he gives a message to post-resurrection. The first preacher post-resurrection. Here's your message, Mary. Go tell them. See, Jesus has this wonderful habit and ability of taking people who were the outcast, taking people who were demonized, taking people that people had given up on, setting them free, and giving them a new purpose and a message. Didn't he do it for the woman at the well? In John chapter 4, Jesus is there. He's tired from his journey, asked for some water. And she's like, why are you talking to me? Jews don't talk to Samaritans. We don't talk to you. What are you doing? And he uses a natural example to draw her in. So Jesus is the greatest storyteller. And he is asking for water. Yes, he's thirsty, but also it's going to draw her in because there's a reason why she was at the well at noon. Now, look, we know how hot it is in Georgia during the summer at noon. We don't want to be drawing water from nothing in Georgia at noon. Imagine the Middle East. They're in the Middle East trying to get water. Why would a woman go to the well at noon in the Middle East? Because no other woman there. They would usually go to the well before the sun rose. But she was tired of hearing the condemnation. She was tired of the judgment. She was tired of people talking about her. She said, I just can't take it anymore. People running their mouth about me and my life decisions. So she went to the well at a time she wasn't going to see anybody there. And she sees Jesus there. And he asked for a cup of water. And then he says, if you knew who asked you, you would have asked for living water. And now she's engaged, so she's still thinking about natural water because she's still thinking about her shame. She's like, well, I don't have to go to this well again. I don't have to deal with the mouths of everybody in town. I don't have to go out. I can stay to myself. And then she says, well, go and call your husband. And she's, I'm glad she told the truth because she said, you know, I don't have a husband. She said, you're right because you've had four husbands and the man you're with now is not your husband. Woo! <laughs> and she's like, I perceive you are a prophet. I guess so. <laughs> and the conversation continues. Because remember, at this point, Jesus wasn't telling everybody he was the Messiah yet. Not everybody had this inside information. And she says, I heard when the Messiah shows up, he'll tell us everything. And she said, I am he. And she drops her water bucket. And what does she do? She runs into the town and begins to proclaim, I've met somebody who told me everything about me, the real me, who I really am. Is he not the Messiah? Because she went to the well for, for water, dropped her water bucket because she became one. Because she went to the city and began to talk about this living water to all those who were in the city. And then as Jesus talking to his disciples about the harvest, they're still trying to realize why he's talking to Samaritans. All of a sudden, Samaritans are rushing from the city to Jesus because the testimony of the woman at the well who was in a spot before she met Jesus. But once she met Jesus, she was transformed. Once she met Jesus, she believed. She said, I am he. She believed it. She became a vessel of living water and went to take it to the city and that whole city turned to Jesus. Jesus has this wonderful habit and ability of taking people who people thought there's no way their life could change and turn their life around and give them a new purpose and give them a new message. Didn't he do it for the demoniac? The man who was 
when you read Mark 4 and 5, he held the whole region in fear, possessed by a legion of devils. But he needed to be delivered. He wanted to be delivered. He saw Jesus. And even though the demons were controlling him and trying to stop him, he ran and fell at Jesus' feet. He needed an encounter with Jesus. And we know how the story goes. Jesus sets him free, and thousands of demons flee from this man. And when the whole city comes out to see what happens, they're afraid because they see this man clothed, sitting in his right mind. Because before then, he had been cutting himself. He had been obsessed with death, living in the tombs. He had been howling night and day. He was a literal haunted house. But now they come out and they see him sitting, clothed, in his right mind. And he says, Jesus, I want to come with you, wouldn't you? But Jesus says, no. Go home and tell your friends what I have done for you. And he says, go and tell them how I've had mercy on you, how I've had compassion on you. And he went out and proclaimed it across 10 cities in that region. And it says, everybody wondered. He transformed a person and gave them a new purpose, gave them a new message. See, if he could do it for Mary Magdalene, if he could do it for the woman at the well, if he do it, could do it for the former demoniac, you know he can do it for you. See, just those examples alone let me know that anything that tells you that the lifestyle you're in and the addiction you have was stuck with you forever is a doctrine of a demon that discounts the power of God and the power of the blood of Jesus. No one is too far gone. Because you know people gave up on Mary Magdalene, possessed by seven devils. Even the spiritually mature who knew this is not a natural problem, it's a spiritual problem. You know people tried to get her delivered, but they couldn't. And now she's over there possessed with seven devils. You know people wrote her off. You know people didn't believe in her. But one encounter with Jesus. Come on, if he can do it for Mary Magdalene, he can do it for you. Say, if he could do it for Mary Magdalene, he can do it for me. She was transformed. She had a new purpose. She had a new message. And notice Jesus never brought up her past again. See, what, when Jesus wipes away your past, why would he bring it up? You have a new purpose. You have a new message. He does wonders transforming people. And then he put her in a community. He didn't just leave her alone. He says, no, no, you come with us. You're with us. You're part of us. Part of a group where your past does not matter. Where your past does not count against you. Where old has been done away with, where you are a new creature. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, anybody, Anybody, not just the church mothers, the prophets, the missionaries, anybody. Say anybody. anybody. Say anybody means me. Anybody. Come on, online, put it in the chat. Let's say it again. Say anybody means me. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Come on, say new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold all things, all things are become new. A new creature. A new creation. Something that hasn't been seen before. Something that is completely separate from your past. Something that is not limited by your past nor your bloodline. 
See, when you became a new creature, you got put on, we talked about a few weeks ago, you became the seed of Abraham. You are as much a seed of Abraham as Isaac is. She said, you might look at your family line and say, well, poverty follows our family. He said, no, 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 no. See, you have a great, 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 great grandfather named Abraham, and he was exceedingly rich, and he left you an inheritance called the blessing. Say, I'm a new creation. Something that's never been seen before. You know, anytime I look at this verse, it reminds me of a TV show that I watched growing up with my brothers. My brothers and my parents, we watch it every Saturday morning at 11.30 a.m. Every Saturday without fail. It was X-Men, the animated series. Every Saturday morning. Did not miss it. It was our family thing we did every Saturday morning. And the X-Men, these were mutants. People who had abilities far above the mortal man. They were able to do things that other people couldn't do. And it caused the rest of humanity to be afraid of them. They had these abilities. They were new creations no one had seen before. New creations the world did not accept. They were in the world, but they weren't like the rest of the world. They were different. And see, one of the core characters in the comics is Charles Xavier. He created this Xavier Institute to take these mutants in and train them to use their powers for the benefit of mankind and even for the benefit of a humanity that hated them. And he would take in these people. Some looked like normal humans, but some didn't. Some had wings. Some had tails. Some were blue. Some were all these different colors. They didn't look like the rest of humanity. And some of them had a past that when they brought them to the rest of the X-Men, they wondered, Professor X, why would you bring him in? Don't you know what he just did? One of those characters was Wolverine. He had an interesting, jaded, special past. Yet he could bring all those people in for the purpose of making the world a better place. And although that's a comic book, and it's fake, don't you think Jesus has a better strategy than Professor X ever could? That he could take a group of people from different backgrounds, take people from different experiences, take people from different past and different family lines who look different and bring them together for the purpose of advancing his mission. Could it be possible he could give those people abilities that, far, that go far beyond the normal individual? Could it be possible he could take those people and cause them to no longer be mere mortals? Could it be possible he could take those people and make them new creations, wipe away their past, give them a new purpose and a new message? Could it be possible? Because that's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did. Go with me to Galatians 6.15. Galatians 6.15. Galatians 6.15. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. The word available means has the advantage. So according to the scripture, who has the advantage in this life? The new creature. Somebody may have more privilege than you, but you still have the advantage. See, you have to be careful. You're not a victim, you're a victor. And anything that would always label you a victim, you got to be careful because if they can label you, they can limit you. Yes, you will have struggles in this life. Yes, you will have trials. Yes, you will have persecution. Yes, things will come your way, but you are an overcomer, not a victim. You are a victor. 
You are more than a conqueror through him that loves you. You are a new creation, so you have the advantage. So when you go into the boardroom, you have the advantage. When you go to the store, you have the advantage. When you go throughout your career, you have the advantage. When you go into trying times, you have the advantage. Yes, I know what's going on in this nation. Yes, I know the history of this nation. But because I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, because I'm the seed of Abraham, I have the advantage against every systematic injustice, everything that tries to come our way, hold us down or oppress us. I'm in Christ. I have the advantage. I'm a new creation. That's how we have to talk. That's how we have to think. That's how we have to believe. That's how we have to behave. Because we're new creation, he gave us abilities that go far beyond. Mere mortals. Say, I have the advantage. Say, I am not a victim. I am a victor. Because you have to understand people like Mary Magdalene people like the demonic, people like others, to even get into that state, they ran into some type of trauma. Something that could have defined them for the rest of their days. But when they met Jesus, their trauma had a bow. I'm not discounting the trauma you went through, but I'm here to tell you today, your trauma has to bow. Because there's a name higher than your trauma. There's a name higher than your pain. There's a name higher than your label. There's a name higher than your addiction. There's a name higher than your lifestyle. There's a name higher than the curses spoken against you. There is a name higher, and it is at the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord, supreme in authority to the glory of God the Father. It all must bow before Jesus, before what he said over your life. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. All have become new. So you must identify with the new. Don't identify with the old. Identify with the new. You begin to talk like a new creature because you are. You begin to talk like you're blessed because you are. You begin to talk like your favorite because you are. You begin to talk like you're anointed because you are. You begin to talk like you have the greater one living on inside of you because you do. You are a new creation. You have the advantage. Imagine the advantage like a platform. And if you're on a platform, you're above everything else. So when you run into things in life, you remember you have a platform. It's called being a new creation in Christ Jesus. You've been lifted above all the drama and trauma and trials and tribulations in this world. You are victorious. Thanks be to God who always gives us the victory. Didn't say sometimes. Always. And so it depends on what you're up against. No, always. Didn't, it depends if the economy's right. Always. Well, it depends if Russia does this. No, always. It depends on who's in the White House. No, always. It depends on the Supreme Court. No, always. There wasn't a condition attached to him giving you the victory. And notice, he gave it to you. It is a gift. And you receive gifts by faith. And most often you receive the gift of victory on the battlefields of life. So you going through a battle, you keep going through but you expect the victory. Every single day, you thank God for the victory. Father, I thank you for giving me the victory today. I thank you that you caused me to triumph today. I thank you that you turned this around for me. I'm not gonna be down in the depths. I'm not gonna be depressed. I'm gonna get out of this bed and I'm gonna rejoice for this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm not a victim, I'm a victor. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus, him who loved me. I'm on the winning side. It is turning for my good. You talk like a champion because you are one. And you're not a champion because of what you've done. You're a champion because of what Jesus did. It's already done. Now go with me to John 12. Let me connect everything I just said to Palm Sunday. John 12. Say, I am a new creation. So I have the advantage. John 12. 
John 12, verse 12. And we'll go through detailed John 11 and chapter 12 tonight to our Palm Sunday night experience at 7.30. So we'll just skip to John 12, verse 12. It says, The next day a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they had heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went to meet him and cried out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it. As it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him because they heard that he had done this sign. So notice what John lets us know here. The whole reason for this triumphant entrance, this celebration, the shouts of Hosanna, was because the people knew that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And their reply was, Hosanna. Say Hosanna. Hosanna. So they heard that Jesus raised a man from the dead, and they said, Hosanna. They heard that Jesus not just raised a man from the dead, but he's been dead four days. They thought it's impossible for someone to get up after four days. And so when they saw the impossible made possible, they said, Hosanna. And so they began to say Hosanna because they believed that we finally have somebody who can make the impossible possible. So our response to what he did is Hosanna. It's a whole celebration because they realized that if he could do this for Lazarus who's been dead for four days, what could he do for me? So the only thing I can say is Hosanna. That's what they began to do, to shout to celebrate, to sing, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But see, that wasn't just a random phrase. They're quoting a scripture. So go to Psalm 118. Let's look at what they were saying. Psalm 118, verse 24. This is what they're quoting. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Save now, I pray. Pause. That word, that phrase, save now, I pray, in the Hebrew is Hosanna. Say Hosanna. Hosanna. Come on, say it again. Say Hosanna. Hosanna. Come on, at home, put it in the chat. Say Hosanna. Save now, I pray, O oh Lord. O oh Lord, I pray, send now prosperity. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. And so the thing is, this was something that was celebrated and sang and done at the Feast of Tabernacles. But now they're walking into the Passover. It's not the time for the Feast of Tabernacles. But they realized the person. That was prophesied about in Psalm 118 was now before them. And the only fitting response was Hosanna. See, in Psalm 118, you can see it as a prayer. But in John 12, you see it as a praise. They're now celebrating that the source is right there in front of them. Hosanna means save now. So when they called him Hosanna, saying, the great salvation has appeared. The healer, the deliverer, the preserver, the provider, the protector, he's right here. So all we can reply is Hosanna. All we can say is Hosanna in the highest. If he did it for Lazarus, he can do it for me. Hosanna. If he did it for Mary Magdalene, he can do it for me. Hosanna. If he did it for the demoniac, he can do it for me. Hosanna. If he did it for the woman at the well, he can do it for me. Hosanna. The Savior has arrived. The healer has arrived. 
the deliverer has arrived. The provider has arrived. The prosperer has arrived. So what we say is, Hosanna. It's a celebration. Remember, John 12 is a celebration about what Jesus did concerning Lazarus. And although in a week we will gather to celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive and well, we already know he's alive and well. We already know that it's done. We already know it's accomplished. So we have a reason to celebrate even before then because we know it's already done. And because we know we have a Savior, because we know we have a healer, because we know we have a deliverer, because we know we have a protector, because we know we have a provider, because we know we have a prosperer, we can say today, Hosanna in the highest. It's a celebration because of what was already done. Your healing is already done. Your prosperity is already done. Your provision is already done. Your deliverance is already done. Everything you need to live godly in this life is already done. So your response has to be Hosanna. Your shout has to be Hosanna. Your praise has to be Hosanna. That's what you say. That's what you declare. That's what you proclaim. That's what you praise. So when you look at situations this week, you say, Hosanna. You look at what's going on in your family, you say, Hosanna. You look at what's going on in your kid's life, Hosanna. You look at what they said at the job, Hosanna. You look at what they said on the news, Hosanna. You look at what they said all around the world, Hosanna. You look at the limitations they put on your life, Hosanna. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. You have the advantage. You are blessed. You are anointed. You are more than a conqueror. So keep the high praises of God on your lips. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Because he said he was coming once, and he did. And guess what? He's coming back again. So until he shows up, we're going to keep saying, Hosanna. We're going to keep being people of faith because that's what he's coming back. He's looking for faith people. So in the meantime, we say, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's what we proclaim. That's what we celebrate. That's what we sing. That's what we dance about. That's what we run about. Because we know how good Jesus is, and we know he is faithful. We know he's consistent. We know he's going to come through. That's who he is. So we say, Hosanna. We know what he's done for us. We remember where he brought us from. We remember when the rain came. We remember when the winds blew, yet we're still here. We remember all the times when we should have been taken out, yet we're still here. We remember all the stupid things we did, yet we're still here. We remember how it seems like we would never make it, yet we're still here. And our response is, Hosanna. He is good, and his mercy endures forever. Hosanna. Hosanna. Because we know our best is yet to come. So even if you see the news, it's going to get worse. Well, it may, but I have the advantage. So Hosanna in the highest. Well, don't you know what's going on down the street? Yes, that's why I'm here. So Hosanna in the highest in the meantime. See, that's the reason why we're doing all the stuff we're doing this week. The 12 experiences, the six prayer meetings, the five weekday devotionals, the three egg hunts, and all the family photos at every campus next Sunday. Because what if a Mary Magdalene comes in the doors? 
What if she just needed to get out of the house, so she took her kids to an egg hunt. And while her kids were finding eggs, she found Jesus. What if a woman at the well just says, I want to take a family photo with my family, and they all come out and they show up? What if, what if we actually believe what Jesus said? We're fishers of men, so we lay out some bait so we can catch people. Because we know how good Jesus is. And if they have an encounter with him, they'll be saved and delivered. They'll be healed and preserved. They'll be protected. They'll be helped. They'll be assisted. So that's why we're doing all the stuff we're doing this week. And that's why we're staying prayerful all week. Because we're believing for people to be saved. We're believing for people to come back to God. We're believing for people to be healed, delivered, and set free. We're believing for miracles and signs and wonders. And the community to break out and praise to God. That's what we're believing for. For that is why we are here. That is why we have been sent for such a time as this. So bring them all in next Sunday. They don't have to look churchy. They don't have to smell churchy. Bring them high. Bring them drunk. Bring them. Tell them to bring their drugs with them. Come on, have you ever been to a service and experience where they come in with the drugs, but they leave it at the altar before they leave? Because we actually believe Jesus can do it today. That the mighty deliverances did not stop in Bible days, but they continue today. This is what we're believing for. This is why we do what we do. We understand that church is not a museum for good people. It's a place where everybody can come and encounter Jesus. I'm not interested in building a museum. I'm interested in transforming lives by the power of the word and by the power of the Holy Ghost. They walk on this campus, they sense the anointing. Before anything has started, they ran into God. That's what we're pressing toward. That's what we're marching toward. That's why we do what we do. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Because what we've done so far is nothing compared to what we'll do. I said it's nothing compared to what we'll do. The testimonies we've heard so far is nothing compared to what we're going to hear. They need Jesus. And they need you to invite them. And with all that Jesus has done, praying for them and inviting them is the least we can do. Because we know what he did for us. We saw what he did for Mary Magdalene. And if he could do it for Mary Magdalene, he can do it for them. If he could do it for the woman at the well, he can do it for them. If he could do it for the former demoniac, he can do it for them. We believe today that Jesus still heals and he still delivers. He still prospers. He still provides. He still saves to the uttermost that there's nobody too far gone. Nobody. 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 So they seem too far, invite them. Well, they have, they're in another religion. Invite them anyways. Invite them all. Well, they're a sinner. Good. Invite them. And when you invite them, maybe not use the term Resurrection Sunday. They may have no idea what that meant. They know Easter, ooh, brunch, mimosas. That's what they know. Now, you don't endorse what they know, but you use that day to invite them out. 
we see no day to the enemy. We'll use everything in our arsenal to bring people to Jesus. So who are you going to invite? Who are you going to bring? Who are you going to encourage to come? And to say, well, I'm not perfect. They know I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect but Jesus. So don't pretend to be perfect. Just invite them. Bring them out. Invite them online. Bring them to one of the four in-person campuses. Lives will be transformed. We're believing for the power of God to transform lives forever. Can anybody believe that with me? That lives will be transformed forever. That there are going to be some Mary Magdalene's that run through this door. There are going to be some prodigal sons that run through this door. Somebody that grandma's been praying for for years and years and years and years. And for whatever reason, they decide to run in here and we, they hit, they're like, I found Jesus. That's what we're believing for. Come on, is there somebody you know that's close to you but far from God? Let's pray for them right now. I'm going to have Pastor Kurt lead the prayer for them right now. We're going to take some time. We're going to pray for all those who are coming to our experiences this upcoming week. And I want you to pray. You keep them in your heart right now, someone who is close to you but far from God. We're going to pray that God sends the right person across their path to minister to them, to bring them into the kingdom of God. And when we're done praying for them, we're going to shout Hosanna. We're going to imagine them coming in through the doors, whether it's these doors or another church doors, getting saved, healed, delivered. And we're going to rejoice. We're going to shout Hosanna. We're going to celebrate. And we're going to stay prayerful and in expectation this whole week. And I look forward to all the testimonies of the miraculous signs and deliverances from God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, I love you guys so much. I'm going to go stir it up in Marietta. So y'all go ahead and get to praying and get to rejoicing for our best is yet to come. Come on, we're igniting an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. Come on, people are coming back to Jesus. People are coming back home. People are being saved. People are being delivered and set free all across our area. Our best is yet to come. Pastor Kirk. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we come in right now with great expectancy, Father God, because we know that the person that you just put in our heart is loved by you so much so, Father, that you sent your son Jesus to die for them. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name for your love for this person, Lord God. And so, Father God, we just pray right now, Lord, that you, the Lord of the harvest, will begin to pull on their heartstrings right now and that, Father God, you would just stir up their hearts to just turn back to you, Father God, or if they're not born again at all, Father, we pray that, Father God, you would just uh, just show them the gospel, Father, the truth of the gospel in a way, Father God, that they could understand it and respond to it in faith, Lord. Father, we pray for all of the prodigals, Lord, those who have put faith in Jesus, but for whatever reason they have strayed far from you, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that, Father, wherever they go, they encounter the love of God. Lord, let them know that you have not forgotten about them. Let them know that they are not too far gone from you and that they can never be too far gone for your love. They cannot run far enough away from your love. They there's nowhere they can go, Lord, that your love will not be there because, Father, you have already demonstrated it and that you did not withhold your own son but delivered him up for them. And so now, Lord God, we just thank you, Lord, that, Father, they are going to turn back to you and surrender themselves to you, Father God. Just surrender to your love, surrender to your plan. And, Father, we pray that they be set free 
free from the deception of the enemy, Lord, and that, Father God, they come to realize and remember that, Father God, you love them just as much as you love Jesus in Jesus' name. And so, Father, those, Father God, that, again, have not yet been saved, we we break the deception of false religion off of them, Lord, and, Father, we pray in Jesus' name that, Father, you will strip the veil from off of the eyes of their heart that they will see the glorious light of the gospel and believe in Jesus' name. And so, God, we just give you praise, Lord God, for all of the deliverance that will take place this week. We give you praise, Lord God, for every single person, Lord, that will be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. We give you praise, Lord God, for every person that is returning to you, Lord God. Father, we just thank you for in Jesus' name. Lord, help us all, whoever is in our heart, help us to have expectancy to see them turn to to you, Lord God, to see them saved, to see them, Father God, return to you in Jesus' name. Lord, we know, Father God, you know exactly how to reach every single person because you are the one that created them. You are the one that designed them, Father God. So you know what makes them tick. And so, Lord, you know exactly what it takes to get their attention. And so, God, we just praise you right now. We give you the glory and the honor, Lord God, for everything that we just prayed. And, Father, we shout Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna! 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 Blessed is he that has come in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Glory to God. Amen. I believe today's message encourages you, it's strengthening you, it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith. If you're ever in the metro Atlanta area, we'd love for you to worship with us in person. You can find information about our different locations at fccga.com. Also, we have so many different ways where you can get the word. You can download our Faith Plus app. You could also visit us on our social media pages, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook on YouTube. We'd love for you to connect with us. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as on Spotify. We have two. One is called the Faith Podcast and then we have our daily devotional podcast which is called Faith in the Morning. I look forward to seeing you on many different social media platforms and in person at Faith Christian Center. Thank you so much for tuning in and remember something good is going to happen to you today so expect miracles. God bless.